Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Dual Senses, where we give our two cents on all things PlayStation. This is Stephen Morrow. And this is Alex Wolf. And we've got um, not not really a lot of news, but we've got some things to say about some stuff that we've been playing. Yeah, first of all, happy holidays, Stephen. Yeah, that's right, we haven't had a an episode since Krampus. Happy holidays. How how was your Krampus? Uh, My Krampus was um, more more us than Kramp. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, I um, the the strangest thing happened actually, uh, and this is my my favorite gift this year that I have received. Um, The strangest thing happened, and that is. My grandpa said, I love you to me. Is this your maternal or your paternal? No, this is definitely your paternal. I don't know what those words mean. On your dad's side. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The, I've never heard him say I love you to anyone. At all. Did he say it to anyone else in your family? No. I even I bragged about it afterwards. Oh, I so like, you should, did you brag about it? You should have. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I turned to my sister and I'm like, "Papa said I love you to me." I had tears in my eyes. <laughs> I can only imagine what her reaction was like when you did that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it. She she was upset because she said that. Uh, she was like, "He never says that to me," but I'm like, "Well." It just, it meant a lot. Yeah. It meant a lot to me. It's a good moment. So, um, so yeah, that happened. How, how were your holidays? <laughs> Not too bad. You know, uh, spent it with the in-laws and we kind of just hung out a little bit by the fire and drank a bit, watched, um, first of all, fuck a Christmas story. I do not understand the appeal of that movie. That was on ABC family literally all day and we weren't like actively watching it. But whenever we were, it was like pieces. So we collectively watched that entirety of that movie in chunks throughout the entire day. And I am convinced that Ralphie is just fucking dumb. Like, not because like he's not educated, but I think there's something wrong with that kid's brain. Oh my god. No, seriously. So have you ever watched A Christmas Story? Yeah, but... Uh... So, so you know how like he just randomly just gets dumbfounded over the most simple things like he doesn't respond he goes blank like he shuts down like he's a robot yeah he does that repeatedly throughout the movie so like kids when they want something or when they're caught by surprise they don't just shut down like he did i don't know i've I've known some kids to just totally shut down i mean i'm not saying that they don't but it's just the way he did it and how frequently he did it and, like, you know, the, the movie, it's narrating his thought processes as, as to what he was thinking when he was a kid. And you hear those thoughts. You understand why he's doing it. But then you're like, most kids don't react to that way, to what you're thinking, as frequently as you are. So, so, so is that your only qualm? Th- that was my only qualm with that movie. Like, I feel like there's something wrong with Ralphie. Should that, we tell someone? I, Should we? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, why is no one taking this kid to the doctor? Something clearly wrong with this child. <laughs> like, why is no one paying attention to that? So, um, between that 
and that, and I just don't under, the plot of the movie. You know, he wants his his Red Rider BB gun. Like, I get it. That's fine. I understand. But like, that's a long ass movie about this kid that just wants a toy. And even then, the movie doesn't end when he gets the fucking toy. Yeah, it is a really long movie. Yeah. So I'm just like, what is the like? I I sat and I watched this. And I'm like, what was the point of what I witnessed? <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck was? What was the plot of this movie? Because it even like most things when they get the thing, like they hit the climax, they get what they want. There's like a little resolution at the end of it, but the resolution of this movie is almost another part of the movie. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. I feel like it is a movie that doesn't necessarily have a like. It it doesn't have like a beginning, middle, and end in terms of the plot. It's just a series of scenes that I feel like people can relate to. Yeah, which is fine. Like, there's plenty of movies out there like that. Like, uh, if you like were watching, like Gummo, um, I love Funny Gummo. People. Funny People is a good movie, and it's similar to that aspect. But I feel like Funny People just does it better. But like, I I was just utterly confused watching this movie. I'm like, I don't understand the appeal. There are so many things. Those being the two most glaring things, as to why this movie should not be as revered as it is. Um, but you know, other than that, it was it was a fun time. It, I relaxed. You know, I love was, how I'm like, how how was your Christmas? Christmas story sucks. <laughs> like it does. <laughs> so uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I got an extra. I got a third controller for the dual uh, for the PlayStation. So that's nice because I always have like a never rotating third person in the house, and I did not have a third controller for anyone who came over. So I'm like cool so now i do that's awesome so i don't know if that's more of a gift for me or a gift for my guest but it's both both yeah a gift you can share is the best kind of gift i mean i don't know some gifts i feel like they should be personal obviously controllers yes a good one to share but yeah honestly all in all though christmas not too bad not too bad at all good times excited for new years i don't know what i'm doing for new year's yet Neither do I. I actually meant to ask you about that. Do you want to do a thing for New Year's? Yeah, I want to do a thing for New Year's. And, like, obviously very low-key. Like, just a few people. Very much probably just me, you, Rachel, and Andreas. Can we, and like, get shit-faced? I, Rachel's pregnant, so no. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want to, but... <laughs> you don't want to get shit-faced? I, I, haven't want, I, I haven't wanted to get shit-faced in a while. Do I want to drink? Yes. Do I would, want to get shit faced? Not, not really. I'll have to ask Rachel, but it's it's been a while since I've done belly button shots with her, um, and obviously she can't participate in the actual drinking. But it would be interesting to do a belly button shot off of a pregnant woman. So the, the <laughs> thing is with that is that you really can't, you know, because the the belly button it it's no longer in, you know, it kind of just evens out with the rest of the belly with the pregnancy. So like. If you were to pour anything into it, it would just cascade off of her belly. She it has would. no belly button. It's not that she doesn't have one. It's just like no, it's there, not. There is no belly button anymore. She she has to have one. She's a human being. Like, this isn't Kyle XY. That's the name of the show. Yeah. But that that would be the problem with that. But do that, I want I to I feel drink? like that's yes. the only thing that people remember about that show. Oh, yeah. It was a fucking ABC Family TV show. No one gives a shit about those unless it's Pretty Little Liars. And even then, I feel like people don't care about that anymore because it's, you know, dated. And probably yeah. not okay for TV nowadays. 
Like I don't, I, I never watched the show, but I feel like there's a lot of that show that you could not get away with nowadays. I could be wrong on that. I'm probably wrong on that. But no, um, drinking, yes. I do want, for some reason, the only thing that I can think of that we could do on New Year's that's socially accessible is dress in somewhat decent clothes. Like, like dress fancy? I mean, not necessarily fancy, but like, you know, some decent pants and a decent shirt. You want to get fancy? Okay, yeah, I want to get fancy. Let's get fancy. Let's get fancy. Let's get fancy, let's get shit-faced, and then let's get unfancy. I don't want to get shit I I don't want to have to clean the house more than I already do. Well, I mean, when I get shit-faced, all I do is dance. Like... (laughs) You destroy things when you get shit-faced. No, I don't. Everybody around me does. No, fuck that. We were at Tokyo Kitty, and you just about destroyed a robot. That robot was fine, and you know it. There was nothing fine. I mean, yeah, the robot was fine because we made sure you didn't abuse it. Also, the only reason why I got shit-faced there is because I bought shots for literally everybody, and only one person did a shot with me. Because no one wanted shots! (laughs) But I, I didn't think anybody would say no to free shots. <laughs> no, because no one want to get shit-faced at a karaoke bar called I nearly $100 <laughs> on shots for everyone. You and should probably fucking drank with most me people, Most people ask, who wants to take a shot with me? Before they just drop dollars on well, numerous I did, shots. I did specifically say, I was like, hey, if I got shots, would, would you guys want to do shots with me? And most people did say yes. Until they saw the shot. <laughs> Did you tell them what kind of shots you were getting them? I didn't even know. Like, no. Okay. I got that... the thing that sounded the most Japanese, but then it came down and it was like glowing in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? It was like a weird yeah, yeah. glow in the dark milk. <laughs> it's like a fucking lava lamp in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. Oh hey, uh, I know. I know that this is... Mildly unprofessional, but whatever. Oh, I have Jesus. a question. Yeah, i I have the automatic level control on while recording, and it's still really loud. And when I change the record level, it just switches back to going all the way up. It, yeah, it'll it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, because essentially what it's doing it's balancing. So. What it does is when it feels like you're getting quiet, it gets louder. When it feels like you're being too loud, it'll quiet itself down. And then, well, like even when I speak quietly, like the little audio wave goes all the way to the edges. I, I think it should. Be or does it okay. adjust after? I I don't know if it adjusts after, but like since I've used it, I've never had an issue with it being too loud. Okay. Like it, it like when I don't have it on, there's an, a definitive difference in the recording when i listen to it afterwards especially in a car so i give it a shot see what happens listeners if you have an issue if if steven blows out your speakers or if i blow out your speakers let us know we'll apologize will we pay for it probably not because we're not going to replace any speakers yeah you you can turn down the volume knob but like (laughs) we apologize (laughs) well all right we'll just see how this sounds hopefully it sounds good yeah, I think it'll sound fine with your fancy, fancy new mic. I do like this mic. It looks like a decent, like, it looks like a good-looking mic. It's got a purple light, and that's my favorite thing about it. Well, there you go. It looks like a little black light on the inside. Black light. 
Steven, what have you been playing, buddy? Uh, so I recently made a really bad decision. Oh. oh? <laughs> <laughs> not what I was expecting when I asked that question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to... I have to lay this out, out there. Uh, so I made a very bad decision recently. I have no regrets, but I know it was a bad decision. Okay. I... So I got Sackboy, A Big Adventure. That's not yeah. the bad decision. Yeah, it's probably we discussed this. It's it's one of the top five best decisions I've ever made in my life, actually, is getting Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Um, okay. However, a couple nights ago, I was playing Sackboy, A Big Adventure, and I did not stop. Jesus Christ. Why? I did not stop until I beat the game. I played that game until 7 in the morning. <laughs> but I couldn't... I, how, I seriously how did your eyes stop. feel when you did that? Uh, it hurt when I blinked. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like when you close your eyes and it burns? Yeah. yeah and then you just kind of have to sit, sit through it until it gets better? Mm-hmm. It was like that. And See, like I can, I can relate I, to this, because I was wondering what your experience was. Because I did this with... Um, batman arkham origins on the ps3 when it came out i remember i turned it on about seven o'clock or no like 10 o'clock at night because we closed down the store and i got home and i played through the whole game in its entirety and it was the next day i didn't even realize i had done it but my eyes were in so much pain (laughs) so i was just curious as to how yours felt and if it was anything similar to mine why do we do that why do we do that know. to ourselves? It's just fun. You know, it can be fun. It can be a good time. And you just Honestly, get like, sucked in. If it weren't for responsibilities, like, I would do this all the time, honestly. But, like, it just sucked because it just destroyed my sleep schedule. <laughs> uh, and it was then, like, it was so... I, I stayed up so long that it was then inconvenient to go to sleep. Exactly. Because by then yes. the sun was already back up, and mm-hmm. I was just and you like, got shit well, to do. Yeah, so that sucked. I still slept for like two hours, but then you know I had to do I had to do things. So right. But anyways, so um, most of that game I played in co-op actually. Uh, so a friend came over, and uh, she. She originally wasn't going to come over, but I was talking about Sackboy and how I needed help with the little, the co-op levels. Yeah. Um, and she was like, okay, well, I'll come over for a little bit and we can play a few levels. And I was like, all right. Uh, <laughs> we started playing this game and we were just hysterically laughing because it's just, it's, it's just so much fun and so much stupid shit happens. Uh, just because it's it's a co-op game, so there's that. But also, like, Sackboy, you can, like, slap people and punch people. And you can do things that kind of fuck up other people. And it's just fun. Yeah. Um, and so it was me, my friend, and my brother. For the most part, it was us three. Andreas chimed in every now and then, actually. He played a couple levels. And um, our friend Mariah also. Uh, but Andreas and Mariah didn't play as much, but me and my friend Jade and my brother 
Oh my god. We 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 couldn't stop. It was so good and it was so much fun. We just could not stop. So highly recommend that game. It just it is so much fucking fun. And to make matters worse though, <laughs> uh so we played through it and we're like, okay, we are going to beat this game. Because once once we got to the last world, we're like, we're already here. We might as well. Right. So we finished the last world, and mild spoiler alert, you finish the game, credits roll, it's not over. <laughs> so we were like, well, damn it. <laughs> uh, but we still, we still just we stopped playing at that point because it was seven in the morning uh that's a good call that's but but the credits did roll so for all intents and purposes we beat the game but there's still an entire fucking world in addition to the all of the main worlds that we still need to do jeez Pete. yeah so there's there's a lot of content and a lot of replayability too because there's a bunch of stuff to unlock you go through the levels and uh there's different like little mini goals like for getting all of the collectibles, yeah, and uh, getting different amounts of points. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like a bronze, silver, and gold level for the points, and uh, you also get rewarded for completing a level without dying. Yep. And then uh, all throughout, you're constantly unlocking more levels. There's like secret hidden levels that you can discover in the hub world, and uh, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of content in this game. I was I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't yeah. like when it was announced. I was thinking that it was just going to be a small kind of budget title, but this yeah, is you, just, you know your typical platformer, very streamlined, very linear. Yeah, well, this one there's there's a lot there's a lot to it. It's really nice. Yeah, I'm excited to get more into it because uh, I've played. Uh, well, you were there for that where we played through the first world, really, and yeah. that's why that's why I left off. We haven't done more since then. Um, just because I'm playing through it like the entirety with Rachel, and so and her motivation into playing a game right now is pretty lax, I guess is the word. She's not wanting to do as much as she was before, so mm-hmm. we'll probably pop into that around some time. Or if you want to play, like now that I've finished my game, for the most part, we can we can do that, and you can we can work on getting you some trophies and whatnot, and then. There we go. Also help you get to that final level. We can do the online as well. So. Yep, yep. Sorry, I'm like wrestling Mochi right now because she came through and she's like all over the place. Exploring. <laughs> Speaking of going all over the place and exploring. So I heard it through the grapevine that you have finished a certain game. Yes, indeed. And pray tell, what is that game? That game is the Sushi Ghost. The Ghost of Tsushima. And Steven, I tell you what, man. Mm-hmm. This game, this fucking game, is so good. It is so good. Kudos to Sucker Punch as a developer. They found, they have a, a, a knack for making a good, decently sized open world game feel incredibly fun to traverse and find collectibles and secrets without overwhelming the player. Yeah. 
It, yeah, that and that's such an important thing. Yes. It is so satisfying traveling through that world. Even when I use this fast I use fast travel through most of that game. And and it's so fast. And it's so and it still feels like you're still anyway, you still have to traverse and do different things in that nature and it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything. Most mm-hmm. games when you fast travel you're like, "Oh, I don't want to do that cuz I'm going to miss out on this, this and the other." This game does not sacrifice that. And that made me so fucking happy. Well, because there's a cool little thing where, uh, so for those who aren't familiar, um, so you can only fast travel to locations that you've visited before. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you haven't visited a place, even though you can't fast travel to it, uh, you can, I think you swipe up on the touchpad and then you can make it so that wind kind of, like the wind guides you to the next point of interest. And so even if you don't know where something is, you're still sort of guided there mm-hmm. without it like telling you exactly, like literally specifically where to go. Um, so so you never feel like you're going to miss anything or like, uh, like you're just not seeing everything that the game has to offer. And fast travel doesn't get in the way of that at all. It, it's just, it's really freaking nice. Yeah, it... it... It was really fun, and then, like to Steven's point with the navigation, one, I like how they incorporated that into a very subtle way with explaining into Jin. So this is a spoiler cast for those who aren't aware, so like, stop listening now. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> haven't gotten to any spoilers yet, but, or maybe, do you want to talk about like gameplay stuff first, and then, and then I mean, when we get into the story, we can, we can do the spoiler warning, or do you well, want to I mean, just... I feel like it kind of intertwines in certain things, you know? That's fair. So okay. it's, like, we can say it, but I feel like if we slip up while talking about gameplay as to what cause it relates to it, then it's, you know, we've already broken the trust. All right. So from this point on, if you are concerned about spoilers for Ghost of Tsushima, stop listening, get Ghost of Tsushima, it's play on sale Ghost right of now. Tsushima. <laughs> it is on sale right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the holiday sale, right? So it's through New Year's? Through, yeah, it's through, I think, January 9th. You got some time there. All right. Well, there you go. So mm-hmm. uh, so play it, beat it, and then come back and listen to the spoiler cast, and you can hear our thoughts about it. But but now we're, we're going to get into the meat of it. All right, yeah. So what I liked about the navigation, for one, you have the wind blowing in your back, and then you also have a golden bird that flights around and will help you find different secret locations and things like shrines, fox Did you stands. notice that it's not just a golden bird, though? What? Sometimes there's uh so there's golden the 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 golden birds that are flying around but then there's also hummingbirds and uh lightning bugs and Well, it's like for what I'm talking about specifically, the golden bird, like the lightning bug will help you find you get you to an area and it vibrates the controller when you're close to an object or a secret thing. Um the golden bird navigates you to if you're going to a distinct location. So it'll take you directly to a fox den. It'll take you directly to a shrine. It'll take you directly to a pillar of honor or whatever kind of locale. Um, the hummingbirds, sometimes they'll, I know like, you also say circles of birds when they're hovering over a certain point of interest and things of that nature. But the key thing with the the wind and the golden bird is, and early in the game, it's explained that I can't remember who says it, but they tell Jin that no matter what, do not worry. Your father will always be the wind, the wind in your back. 
And then they also explain the golden bird is like, your mother loved those golden birds. She always felt like they would take her to places that she would never have looked at before and appreciate them or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So in essence, this wind that's guiding you is your dad. And then the bird, the golden bird, is your mom. And I thought that was a nice little subtle way to incorporate that into the gameplay and explain what they do. It was really cool. That is really nice. Mm-hmm. And b- fucking A, this game is gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's it's a shining example of how important art direction is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much more important art direction is than just graphical fidelity. Yes. Because, and, uh, like, I don't I don't think necessarily that this game is graphically impressive from, like, a... Like, the from, like, a texture resolution standpoint or, yeah. you know, the high-res models or whatever. But artistic direction, phenomenal. And the shadows, the lighting in this game, oh they do God. a phenomenal job with that as well. And the particle mm. effects. You can't talk yes. about Ghost of Tsushima without talking about the fucking particle effects. Holy, so I'll tell you what, Steven. So I played this con- I played this game on three different consoles. Mm-hmm. I played it on the PS5. I played mm-hmm. it on the PS4 Pro, mm-hmm. and I played it on the base model PS4. Mm-hmm. My favorite experience for this game was the base PS4. Why? It, it, yeah. So it, it's not not the knock on any of the other experiences I have with this game. By all means, it was still great. But so when we played. The PS4 and the PS5 gameplay was pretty similar. There wasn't much of a difference there. The PS5 would lock it at 60 frames per second if you put it in, um, uh, pr- if you had a prioritized frame rate over resolution, which made more sense because resolution-wise, it doesn't look too different, like you said. Um, but so when I was playing on the PS5, if you remember, I mentioned it last week when we talked, how I was with the bow and arrow, I was like a fucking mastermind. I've never felt that way in any video game, but I was legitimately good with a bow and arrow. I was just taking shots, this, that, and the other. I was killing people on accident in a very high and efficient way. And I'm like, this shouldn't be happening, but it is. But my sword play sucked. Like, I fucking could not... I, I would miss parries. I would dodge at the wrong time, this, that, and the other. And the when I transferred over to the PS4 and I would play in the bedroom, the game's frame rate drops to 30 frames per second. And it is, it, you see, I've never witnessed it in a video game where I've seen a difference in frame rate. So I've been like, oh, that's noticeable. In this game, it is definitely noticeable, but not in a bad way. If anything, it adds to the, how visceral the gameplay is because everything's kind of choppy in a way. And it adds a certain savagery to when you're taking down and cutting down Mongols. And with that, while it became harder for me to shoot the bow and arrow, I was able to read frames without really thinking about it and dodge and parry at pivotal times when it mattered most, almost expertly. So I was like, this game just feels better when it's at a lower quality frame rate because it just adds that old Western Samurai just choppiness of just brutal. The biggest thing for me was how visceral it felt. Like it felt brutal watching how this game looked on a PS4. Interesting. Yeah, because like it was on the PS5 and the PS4 Pro, it's extremely smooth. Like the fidelity and the frames are there. It just smooths right in, but that makes it hard to really read combat wise because it's very flowy. Whereas how much it's broken up on the base PS4, it's easy to read. Like, oh, okay, dodge here. Parry there. I know he's going to do this. That so, was so much easier for me. So I remember um, 
when when you first started playing, mm-hmm. you did say that that you weren't really a fan of the combat, um, and at that point you hadn't gotten to the to the part where you sort of unlock the I can't remember what it's called, but where you you go into like beast mode basically and just fucking uh, annihilate everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I feel like the combat really opens up like it, it all of your combat options are available at that point um yeah i mean provided that you level it all up and everything mm-hmm. uh, so after reaching that and you know exploring all of the the different combat upgrades and things like that uh now how do you feel about the combat so my gripe still stands while you're right you do for a good sense of progression as you improve throughout the game mm-hmm. and that does help smooth things to a point it still needs a fucking lock on especially when you're fighting because there's moments in the game especially later game where you have multiple enemies around you and depending on the direction you're facing cause that's how you aim and you see an enemy coming behind you and that's where your focus needs to be it, like you could have someone in front of you because like you're looking just slightly to the left, you hit the other guy, or you get totally turned around after you do like a parry, and this you leave your back wide open for that same person to hit you in the back because you're still taking that time to turn around. Whereas if you had a lock on or like a strafing kind of deal, that would be much easier to do and manage and mm-hmm. make sense, especially because there's times in the game where you very much have to read what your opponents are doing to pay attention so you don't waste your resolve and you don't take a bunch of needless hits. Or if you're trying to get your ghost stance meter and you try to get multiple kills in a row without being touched to really save your ass. That's hard to do when you have multiple people attacking you all at once and you're trying to focus on one guy and if you were to hit that one guy, you can flow easily and you're taking out the rest, but you can't because you all of a sudden, are, you just happen to be facing the wrong direction at the wrong time. Or you just happen to tilt the left stick ever so t- lightly. So I think that still needs to be there. Um, so aside and, aside from the lock-on, though, how do you Aside feel? from the lock-on, it, it, yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, I think gameplay-wise, especially with combat, it's a very solid game. It's fun. It's the biggest gripe I think I'd had outside of the lock-on is navigating your weapons. Because there are a lot. And it's yeah, hard I think, to. I think we mentioned, or I think I mentioned in the last mm-hmm. episode that it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid, like how you have to like hold something down and then switch to the thing, and it's just. And even it's like there's hotkeys. Yeah, you have to do it, for, and then you have to use the other side of the controller to navigate your quick fire, whereas the yeah. other ones are like you're aiming, and it's like God, that is a lot. So I found myself accidentally using certain weapons, just because I thought, oh shit. I'd press the wrong. I'd press it because I would get confused, utterly, like absolutely confused. I'm like, "Fuck, what did I have set? Oh, my sword's on fire! I thought I was throwing a kunai, but I guess this is fine." <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's like shit, and you waste those resources. Luckily, resources are abundance. Like I never had to once buy extra ammo or anything because it's fucking everywhere. Yeah. Um. I think I think one thing that really got me was the supplies like trying to upgrade my stuff that was hard because everything costs supplies like everything used them and it it was weird because it was you bought supplies from the merchants using supplies but 
to sell what you were selling for supplies, you needed all of it to help build your other stuff up. So it made no sense for you to sell anything really throughout most of that game, if at all. I think I only sold once, and that's because I had a like 500 plus bamboo, and I'm like, I bamboo is yeah, overabundance here. That's another thing. Like I feel like I I would have liked it if there were if, if there was more variety in the type of supplies. Yeah, like specific to different kinds of upgrades, which they sort of did, but I like I I, I just feel like it would have been easier to be able to specifically target like a, a specific kind of upgrade and then yeah. find that item. Uh, but there's only like three or four different supply types, I guess, that I can think of. Yeah, you had different um, kinds of steel, wood, and like leather, and There's like was, cloth or something. Yeah, and it was weird because like you, literally like you have a, a material called just supplies, but the supplies were used to upgrade things as well as you had to find them. So it's hard to manage that because other things get totally sacrificed because like, oh, this one thing only needs 200 supplies. I've got 500 and I can upgrade this other thing, but it costs 600 on top of I have to use supplies to buy everything else. And it's like it would make more sense if supplies was just was just currency, but you used solely iron or steel to upgrade your, your sword, not iron, steel and supplies because mm-hmm. it just made it hard or at least it, was, it just didn't make any sense. It just seemed like a waste. Because you get so much an abundance of other, like, your steel, your leather, your iron, all this stuff. You have plenty of that, but you'd never have enough supplies. And I it's will never say, like, though, I did, I did enjoy that. I felt like after every mission, there was a thing that I could either upgrade or mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a thing that I could craft or an item that I could buy, there was always, like, something. And even if there wasn't anything I could upgrade or craft, there would be, like, a gift at the altar. Like, because yeah. when you go to the, the different shrines or whatever, um, or not shrines, the just the towns, what are they called? I'm trying to figure out, because there are shrines and there are towns. Uh, well, the, the gift altars are in the little towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they just called towns? Yeah, like settlements or... Settlements, um, there we go. There's settlements, there's, uh, what's it called? Sanctuaries. They're all they're different things, but they're all for the same purpose. Okay. Sorry, I'm a little bit more removed from this um, yeah. than you are. But, uh, but yeah, it was nice that there was always something, and even when I couldn't upgrade my character or, you know, complete more of the, the little level-up tree or whatever, I could... Like, there's little golden emblems that show up on the map, and they show you a place where you can upgrade something. Or if there's a gift at a place, the little towns people will, uh, as a thank you for helping them out, they'll give you a little gift at the altar. And I think that's kind of nice. Like, it, yeah. it's a neat little thing. Uh, I also, I, 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 I really enjoyed, specifically speaking of the combat, I really like how the game doesn't punish you for not sticking to one thing like that's one thing that i was a little bit worried about when the game was announced where it's like oh are you gonna be the the samurai or are you gonna be the ghost which path are you gonna take and i was afraid that it was gonna be a very binary like good or evil Mm -hmm. and it would require like two playthroughs and things like that but no you can i i really liked that i could play basically yeah i could play how i wanted and 
doing one thing never kept me from being able to use another power or being able to upgrade uh, some other branch. Like nothing, mm-hmm. I was ever, I was never locked out of anything. So I, I really enjoyed that because uh, I'm a little bit of a completionist when it comes to these kinds of games. And I really like being able to do everything in one go. And this game makes it very easy for you to be able to upgrade everything. You can do all the side quests. There's nothing that's missable. And it it communicates all of that pretty well, I think. Uh, So I was never overwhelmed. I was never stressed out. And I never felt like I couldn't do something or I had to only focus on a specific kind of way of playing because I wanted to progress in a certain way. Uh, yeah. So that was really nice. I had a lot of a lot of choice in that regard, and I really appreciated that uh, when when it came to the way that they designed the combat and the upgrades and everything. Yeah. So for me, especially for a developer like Sucker Punch, who has a, a history with the morality systems after Infamous, uh, I expected more out of it because they played it up so much in like the dev talks and this that and the other like oh you you had that like you have different ways you can play you do you want to play as the ghost of the samurai like you said so i thought like oh okay that's going to be a big factor and it wasn't really you just played the game how you wanted to do it um and See, i think i think i i disagree a little bit there because i i think i think yes it wasn't it wasn't as much of a factor when it came to the the gameplay mechanics uh, mm-hmm. specifically because you were never locked out of anything. Uh, like, if you choose one path, you can still always choose another path, whether you're doing Ghost or Samurai, which I thought was cool, because uh, it's kind of like that's how it would be. Like, at any point, you can decide to approach a situation differently. Um, well, yeah, but even that's more gameplay. But, so, yeah, you could approach things as the ghost, right? Be stealthy and stab from the back, things of that nature. Use your poison darts, use your kunai's, this thing to the other. Or you can just straight up charge into a a, a whole a, uh, settlement and have a standoff with five or six different Mongols. The but standoffs even then, are so cool. They are so cool. But even then, at that point, it's it doesn't change any outcome. It doesn't change how the townspeople look at you. Like, that's all written into the game. No matter what you do, you could have standoffs every throughout the entirety of the game. You're still the ghost. You, you're still Jin Sakai. There, it doesn't have a, there's no real identity uh, portion of the game there, which I was surprised they didn't have, again, how they talked about it. And I think I kind of miss it. So you're right. I don't like the idea of being locked out of certain things because I play a certain way. I don't think I should be locked out of those things. But would it be cool to see how the world changes or how the people view me based off of how I did something? Like, well, I think, just, I think actually I think that would be cool. And if I remember correctly, I, I, I read an article that described that there are subtle changes in the world based on certain things. There are changes in the world, but the only ones I noticed were when you cleared a portion of the map. So, like significantly the second port like yarikawa oh the, the mongol presence yeah yeah it gets obvious it okay. gets drab it's dreary but that's the only real difference i saw throughout the entirety of the game I people didn't talk to me yeah i think that's what was actually mentioned in the article i think you're right um yeah. but i mean still so while while it didn't while the the ghost versus samurai 
thing didn't really play into the gameplay as much as like being a binary thing Mm -hmm. um i think that that struggle was represented extremely well in the story oh god Mm -hmm. jen uh having to kind of wrestle with this idea of tradition versus progress out of um necessity uh in a lot of cases i thought that was extremely well done and uh the the tension between Jin and so there there's this internal struggle but then there's also an external struggle that uh is between him and his sort of father figure whose name escapes me because i'm a terrible person and also because i haven't played this game in a while and his name is lord shimura okay shimura uh that was so well done mm-hmm. and the the way that it evolved over the course of of the game it it impacted me so much more than i could have ever ever guessed that it would uh, yeah it kind of just hits you all at once you don't realize how much you've witnessed and how drastic of a change it is until the end you're like oh fuck oh my god (laughs) yeah and like what what blows me away so like i feel like throughout the entire game you have multiple characters who are they firmly believe what they believe and Mm -hmm. and many of them uh many of them are more in line belief wise with the idea of honor and um, you know the the samurai way, so to speak, but throughout the story, gradually one by one, you witness breaking points for people. Oh yeah! Like how far do things have to go before they decide? Okay, the gloves are off. Now let's give them a taste of their own medicine. That kind of thing. And, and at the end, they come through like an existential crisis, much like Jin has in a way. Where you're like, where do I go from here? I can't go back to how I was. Mm-hmm. I've done these things. Like, I've either slaughtered people, I've hunted people down, or I've abused someone. It was... It was crazy. Yeah, and like, I... I, I was playing this game right off of playing Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. And I won't get into spoilers for Last of Us Part Two, but... I think it goes without saying that Last of Us Part Two is a very brutal game with dire circumstances. Um, and I I went into Ghost of Tsushima kind of thinking that it was going to be the antithesis of The Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. where um, I, I just I felt like. I felt like Last of Us Part Two was kind of like you have already gone far, and now it's kind of like you have to reel yourself back. But with Ghost of Tsushima, I felt almost like it was kind of pushing you to see, um, it, like to basically unlock your rage, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I didn't know that it was going to keep pushing and it it just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and one thing that i really like is early on in the game you witness uh lady the the 
the person who's avenging her family who was murdered. Oh, uh, Lady Masako. Dude, she's Lady fucking Masako. nuts. <laughs> uh, so your first introduction to her, uh, she's just like, I'm going to kill the people who murdered my family. And mm-hmm. she, like, in one of her first scenes, she just brutally kills someone and blood goes everywhere and she's just in a in a fit of rage and she just keeps going and she Mm -hmm. she doesn't sleep she doesn't eat she literally like she just stays awake and she's like there's no time for anything we have to kill these people like she is on a mission and it is almost killed a fucking monk and i'm like serious shit like you end up having to fight her because she's like if you're my way i'm just gonna fucking kill you exactly uh, oh oh okay i didn't realize we're gonna get this far but when you, when you're first introduced to her, like I think I think pretty much everybody had the reaction of oh my god this woman is insane yes like even though we know that her family was murdered because her reaction is so intense and so visceral we're just like she's lost it she she's beyond help there's literally a point where you're going into a Mongol camp and there's a discussion as to how okay we gotta be quiet about this we've got to be no be sane make sure we do this smart and she's like agreed and then five seconds in you just hear like fight me face me come for your death i'm like holy shit lady (laughs) what what happened to that whole conversation we just had she doesn't give a fuck she's got nothing to live for other than to murder these people Mm -hmm. but but what's crazy to me is i thought she was insane i thought that she had gone too far and I thought she was beyond help. And throughout the course of the game, I started to understand how she felt. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I was her. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's fucking kill them. And uh, like whenever possible, I would, I would activate the fucking ghost stance and I would slice people's heads off and I'd be like, this is what you fucking deserve. <laughs> and... Uh, and and that's just that's an interesting like that that evolution happens throughout the entire game and i feel like really the point where i realized that this game wasn't going to i guess like wasn't going to pull back any punches i guess um mm-hmm. was well there were there were two that come to mind uh when um uh, i i i'm so mad at myself for not remembering the names but um it's been a little bit since I played this, but uh, the brother guy who gives you the grappling ability. Oh, Taka. Yeah. There you go. Taka. Uh, when when Taka dies uh, horribly right in front of you because he's trying to help you. But he's uh, also a fucking idiot. He annoyed me. Not going to lie. Well, yeah, it was it was stupid, but he <laughs> I feel like he sort of represented innocence, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when he was... When he was killed, uh, I feel like that was the real turning point in the game. Where from that point on, it was just brutal, mm-hmm. uh, consistently, and uh, so that was really interesting. But the the point when I really realized that they weren't gonna hold back any punches uh, was when. Uh, Jin's childhood friend, uh, the... Oh, Ryuzo. Uh, Ryuzo. Okay. When he sort of joined the, the evil guys, the Mongols, mm-hmm. um, 
but then to prove his loyalty he had to kill his own people basically and like set them on fire yeah uh first of all that performance the 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 voice acting in this game um and the the mocap the the facial capture oh my god uh I, I think it's top-notch. I, I wish more people would talk about the performances in this game. I, I don't understand. Some of the reviews were kind of knocking it and saying that the, the performances were stilted or unemotional, but I think pretty much anyone some. in the main cast were, was phenomenal. I feel like there were some moments where it's like, this seems kind of phoned in. And, and unfortunately, a bulk of this game isn't the main cast. You know You know what I mean? Like... You have those moments, but like the way I played at least, I did all the side stuff first as much as I could before the game would... There was only one moment where I, it was obviously forcing me, like, no, you need to complete a story mission before you proceed this far into the island. Mm-hmm. You have to. Um, and it was early on to the second portion of the island. But other than that, all the side stuff, all of those performances were very much like, you know, that's it, okay, cool, standard, fair, got it. And you got... And then with the main story, because there's not that many cutscenes for the main story itself, while most of the performances were very much top-notch, some were just like, okay, you know? And I think for me that came more from the mocap, because some of the motions, some of the emotions in the face, sometimes you didn't see much, or the lip-syncing wasn't wrong, was like just kind of, just a smidge off. Um, And I noticed that more in the PS4 than I did the PS5. So I do think the a lot of the in-game animation for the character models and those yeah. cutscenes were very strange and and stilted. But I don't think I don't think the performances were bad. No, uh, the performances themselves were absolutely they were top notch. And but I, th- it, I I feel like I feel like a lot of times the the actors get a bad uh, get a little bit of a bad rap because of the way that the things are handled. I feel the same way about Days Gone, actually. A lot of people shat on Days Gone, and they said that the story was bad. And I was, I'm just like, I think the story is phenomenal. The plot and the acting, amazing. But the presentation wasn't yeah. up to snuff. And I think yeah, the that presentation kind of in that game was ass. made people feel uh, a certain way. Like they were making the association with the story when really it was more about uh, in Days Gone, I think it was because of the awkward transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the mostly. biggest point for me, at least. Uh, yeah, but it, with Ghost of Tsushima, I feel like it's the same thing where, for the most part, the presentation in this game is top-notch. But then when you get to certain like in-game cutscenes, uh, not not the pre-rendered cutscenes or whatever, but the in-game cutscenes, it's weird because the camera just kind of like has two positions that and that mm-hmm. it just switches between and the characters just barely animate yep. uh, and they just kind of stand there and, and stare at you with these dead eyes and just deliver the lines um but if you close your eyes and listen <laughs> it's really good i promise uh but but no specifically in that scene uh, where uh he is is made to basically burn his friends uh that was that was difficult for me to watch um and that performance there was so much like you could just feel 
everything that was happening inside of him where he was like, I have to do this, but I really, really don't want to. And um, that was that was really intense for me. And that was when I was like, okay, this game is going to end up taking me places that I'm uncomfortable with. And boy, did it deliver on that yeah, front. That game, the brutality you see in that game with whether it be a, a field of dead bodies that are charred and on spikes, or you're talking to a mob-like a mob like group of people and their leader tells you you're going to do this thing for me and your reason is why and they say or you can have like the guy's head that's on a pike out back and then it transitions to the title of the mission and you legitimately see this fucking man severed head on a spike <laughs> with flies circling it and I'm like oh, oh okay she's she's not wrong here <laughs> she, I mean, she'll actually do it you see yeah you see a group of peaceful monks decide to become basically a small military squadron. <laughs> yeah. Like that those are the kinds of things that that are happening in this and I I I think it's interesting that the game takes the time to sort of let you see the process of people getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, with with Lady Masako they just kind of drop you in, but with with other characters you you see that evolution and with with Jin Sakai you see that evolution. You're part of that. And yeah. uh I think I think they did a phenomenal job with it, and it really all comes to fruition. I think uh, with the way that they chose to conclude the game, uh, yeah. with the singular choice, um, which I uh, I really struggled with. <laughs> so did I. I had a hard time. I got to that point. I'm like, oh fuck. I didn't think. I figured this was going to be the thing that happened. So you're given a choice at the end. See, I honestly uh, didn't think this was going to happen. I figured, I figured that was going to happen. I did not think it would be a choice left to the player. I did not think it was going to be a choice left to the player. I was So at the end of the game, you Jin is essentially branded a traitor because he's broken the code of the samurai. And his uncle, Ajito, working directly under the shogun, he, he's very honor-bound. He, he has to follow these codes. And so after Jin kills Koten Khan, um, he rides with his uncle, and it's like a, the last bonding moment because his uncle had planned on adopting him as father and son. Uh, so his uncle, heartbroken by all of this and what's happened, has also now been ordered by the Shogun to kill Jin. And so you go to your, your family cemetery. You've learned that you've lost your estate. All of it's gone. And you battle, you fight your uncle in a duel. You beat your uncle, and you are left to either kill him as his final dying wish because he wants to die with honor and die as a warrior. Or you can continue to do what you've done and break tradition, defy this honor-bound code, and do it as a slave and do what you feel is right and that is to leave your family alive because he's your only family and that was hard because at the end of the day like yes I have my I am no longer following the code of the samurai I'm doing what I felt is right and I don't feel like I should kill this man because of some code but at the same time this man is my father figure he's raised me since I was a child and he is asking me 
to grant him this last wish. And he's asking that I kill him as a samurai. And well, see, the, I feel this the, duty to give him that wish. There's also an added layer to it as well, because there's, there's there's like the idea of, of peace, which is really mm-hmm. what what you're after in this game for everyone, is you just want peace. And right. um, what what's so gut-wrenching about this final choice is if you kill him then that's peace for him but that is torment for Jin. in in more ways and, than one like the emotional torment of you just killed your father figure but also the fact that you you're killing a jito so at that point you become an enemy of the fucking country so all of Japan is after you. More so than they already were. Well, the problem still, though, is even if you choose not to kill him, mm-hmm. your uncle still has to hunt you down. track you down. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're, you're making his entire life devotion about hunting the one person that he cares most about. Uh-huh. And so it it then transfers the torment over to him instead of Jin. Uh so it's like the whole thing is just a fucking disaster and uh it, it's it's rough too because I really did not expect it to to hit me this hard, but uh just the amount of love between them it's like it's like a strained love and uh it it reminded me a lot of my own family where uh i very often butt heads with my family uh specifically when it comes to beliefs like political beliefs or religious beliefs and uh, it's so hard because you feel like you just desperately want to get it through their fucking thick skulls that things don't have to be a certain way. But sometimes people are just so dead set on a specific way of thinking. But there's there's nothing you can do. And so at the end of Ghost of Tsushima where you're kind of literally face to face with that dilemma where it's just two people who care about each other and love each other but they have vastly different world views or ideas on on how to solve this problem that's very important to them uh when they're faced with that and when like the the pinnacle of either thing would be the end of the other just having to grapple that oh my god it just it really hit home for me and it it really to me it was so powerful because it was almost emblematic of kind of the divisiveness that's happening in the world and um i i very much so took it in that way um and i very much so thought about my own family and you know different people in my life that i've looked up to despite strongly disagreeing with 
<laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was really difficult. But I, uh, as much as I hated the decision that I made, I have some kind of peace with the decision that I made. What decision did you make, Stephen? I killed him. Okay. I I killed my uncle. Uh, because otherwise he would just hate everything. <laughs> like, it was the only... To me, it was the only thing that could bring him peace. And because I... Because that's what I wanted for him, I, I felt like I had to. Because... Uh, It, as weird as it might sound, I feel like it was the only way that I could convey to him that I loved him and respected him. Because mm-hmm. doing anything else, I feel like, would be a be- a betrayal to him. Like, he right. would read it as a betrayal. Yes. And uh, I just cared too much about him, so I had to kill him, which sounds really weird to say. No, but I, I. But you're not wrong. Like exactly what we talked about. It's like you have these two choices, and there's a multitude of reasons as to why you should go with one or the other. So I let the uncle live, and my mindset behind that was, you know what, this whole journey has been me, especially the relationship with my uncle, explaining that sometimes you have to do. You have to break honor. You have to break this code. You can't mm-hmm. be a slave to it. You need to change. Things have to change. We have faced an enemy that forced our hand in this. If we did not do these necessary but questionable things, we would not have survived and people would have died. Could we have won? Maybe. Would thousands more have died? Yes. You, in order for you to understand that things can be different and you do not have to do these things that you were saying you have to do because of some code that you blindly follow I'm going to let you live you've already said I don't have honor and you're right I'm doing I I did things as the ghost I will continue to do things as the ghost and as the ghost I don't think that either of us have to kill each other to move forward see I I like like, the message of that but yeah I really don't think it would get through to him and, and you're not that's wrong. That's the problem. But yeah, and that and that's totally fine. And that's something I thought about too. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to resonate. He may still, like, if anything, hate me more. And at this point, there is no sadness when him killing me. He's like, no, I'm going to fucking kill you. You just burnt every fucking bridge you had. But I took that risk. And it solidifies it at the end of the game, like the little epilogue kind of deal when you're in your new camp, that it's like you talk to Yuna and she, you know, you're just kind of discussing things and your uncle hasn't made a move. Like, the Shogun, yeah, he wants you dead, but your uncle is not the one... He has not made any preparations or anything like that. He's very much just left you alone. Well, I think they're also saving that for a sequel. Oh, definitively, that's for sure. (laughs) But, see, that's another thing that's kind of interesting, is I I wonder how they're going to handle that in a sequel, because it seems like that relationship is so integral to the story. Uh, But because the outcome is so different... (laughs) I think it'll be very much what they did with Infamous. Um, if where one Infamous, is canon? Yeah, where one is canon, the other one was like whatever. So if you remember 
Infamous 2 especially, the developer Sucker Punch was very much hoping that more people, they went with who completed what ending the most. They were hoping that more people went with the evil ending, which led to Cole staying alive and essentially only people that lived were conduits. That was the ending they were hoping people played the most and went with and had more favor towards. But it wasn't. People went with the, the, the good ending, where mm-hmm. all the conduits essentially die, and so does Cole. So I think that'll be the same instance here, where it'll be based off of what choice was made the most with players. And whatever choice is made the most that way will determine the actual ending that will lead into two. Have you have you seen the other ending? Where he kills the uncle? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Because I've seen both endings. And I will say... I, I do... Th- I, I feel like the killing the uncle ending is... So much more impactful. <laughs> oh, I, I imagine so. I imagine the emotion in that scene is well more than... Because when you leave him alive, you just tell him, I'm doing this because this is my... This is... I'm not following some dumb code. Yeah, you basically just like... You're like, nope, and then you walk away. You yeah, put on you your mask away. and then you, you just turn around and leave. You're, you're like, I will stay the ghost. I will do what I must. I'm not killing you because you're my family. And then That's I think that... Doesn't be. the uncle like yell and tell you to do it or something? No, he just stands there in silence and he cries. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So it's a very, it's somber and it's heartbreaking because the uncle's heart is broken, but that's it. I can only imagine the emotion that comes with Jin legitimately killing his uncle. It was rough because I could okay, only so, imagine that's more gut wrenching. So even though you haven't watched it yet, I, I recommend that you do just because oh, I I mean, will. If, if you're glutton for punishment and you want to fucking cry like a baby. I mean, I uh, just want to know, but yeah, that too, I guess. But oh my god, he so like Jin kneels down and they they make like eye contact, and you can just see the sadness in both of their eyes, mm-hmm. and uh, basically like right before he does it, uh, his uncle, uh, fuck, yeah, I don't know the exact words, but he he calls him his son. And yeah. that's what fucking did it for me. Uh, when, like, when, when he said, uh, when basically he he affirmed that he has a deep respect for him and that um, he thinks that he raised, uh, you know, this this wonderful person. Uh, and when he calls him his son, with a sense of pride. I, I lost it. I started weeping, and then he just fucking does it, and um, he, like, tries to keep himself together for his uncle's last moments alive, and then and then he just lets out this, like, guttural scream, <laughs> and oh my god, I just can't. It It's rough. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to watch the other ending, um, as well. So actually the next day after I beat the game, I was at work and I was watching a video that had both of the endings. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one in the video was the one where he kills him. And I was weeping at work again. 
I had to like collect <laughs> myself in the back. Oh my god, it was so rough. Uh but it it it, it was it it really surprised me how how emotionally impactful this game was for me because uh, I mean yes I get emotional with a lot of games but um, especially coming off of The Last of Us Part 2 which I thought was going to be the thing that emotionally resonated with me more mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima ended up speaking to me more on a personal level uh, and I, I think that's just really interesting I think it's a testament to um, how how well they did with uh, showing how these characters develop and progress through the game and uh, no pun intended sort of sucker punching you um, God damn it. with the there was a pun impended in that bastard with the, the finale because like I think they did a good job of like planting the seeds without making it too in your face if that mm-hmm. makes sense like they're not beating you over the head with these things but then when once they want you to understand something, that's when they're like, "All right, now we're gonna just go all in." Yeah. No, but, I, I, enti- I completely agree with that. Just a you phenomenal know, game. So one thing I do wish they had more of in this game, and that was fucking Colton Khan. Colton Khan. Colton Khan. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. He, as a villain, was fucking stone cold. Throughout the entirety of it. That's true. And he was smart. Like, as evil as a motherfucker as he was, he was smart. And every scene he was in, he's the one that stole that fucking scene. Like, the the scene where fucking Ryozo is burning the villagers to get them to open the fucking gate. Mm Mm-hmm. Colton doesn't say a fucking word. And he steals that scene. See, I don't know. Just, I, I he actually looks kind at, of disagree. He he just looks at Ryuzo and he goes, and he's like, what are you doing? You know what you need to do? Do it. Why aren't you doing it? Like, and it's just ice cold. Like, I mean, definitely Ryuzo's performance is, you know, it is, he is definitely the top performer in that entire scene for sure. But it's Colton Khan's reaction, or lack thereof, that sells it. Because he's looking at you like, I don't know why this is such a problem for you. If you want to do this, you know what you've got to do. You signed on for this. Get it done. See, I think that's a good point, but I also think that out of all of the characters in this game, the one that I think is least compelling is Koten Khan. Well, that's what I mean. There's not much to him. I wish there was... With how much of it you get out of him for how little you know about him... He should well, I have think, had. More. I think they did it on purpose, though, because I if mean, you think definitely. about it, because because of what the story that they're trying to tell, it's not a story about a single. Oh, event. there's this evil man doing an evil yeah. thing. That it's is a story yeah. about the the internal struggles with the people who are forced to react to it. It's mm-hmm. it's that, and so them focusing on that aspect of the story, because the the story of oh, evil villain does evil thing um, because they're evil. That's been done to death. But yeah. it's it's not as often, at least in video games, where uh, they sort of explore the the struggle that comes with 
having to figure out how to solve this problem in a way that is not a defamation of character, so to speak, um, not stooping down to their level. Uh, and uh, like I think they kind of made him bland and uh, sort of like a flat character uh, specifically because of that. Because I, I don't think they wanted to allow people to have any opportunity to relate to or even personify him mm-hmm. because the story the the compelling story was not with him it for sure. needed it needed him in order to exist because they needed a hitler for this world basically they, yeah they needed an antagonist um, for uh, sure but the the story is not with him and that's right. why like at the i before I finished the game, I I read online that there was a choice at the end of the game. It was not spoiled what the choice was, but I heard that there was a choice at the end. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the final boss fight, I thought the choice was going to be to kill him, to kill Koten Khan, or to let him li- live. And when I got to that point, and then I killed him, and that whole boss fight was just kind of like, eh... And then yeah. there wasn't really much fanfare or anything. I was just like, okay. But like right at the end, there was a part where you can like do the finishing blow. And mm-hmm. I just stood there waiting for the prompt to come up saying, okay, do it or don't do it. And I literally just waited to see if it was a choice or not. And of course, turns out it wasn't a choice. You just kill him and then the game goes on. And... I was like, oh, well, then what is it? What's the big choice? And then when I got there, I was like, it all makes sense. <laughs> like, See, for I, me, I didn't... I, I knew that the game was not going to end with the con dying. Like, I knew that. Because he is not the overall point. I, I knew it was going to come down to Jin and his uncle. How? I had no idea. Did, was it be a choice? No fucking clue. I, I didn't expect it to be at least... I guess but, I just like I and this is probably shitty, but I guess I just didn't expect Sucker Punch to do that because I never thought of Sucker Punch as being a studio that told compelling stories with compelling characters and not to shit on uh, their previous games, but I was never I was never emotionally moved by any infamous game. I was never, uh, you know, like Sly Cooper. Never, <laughs> right? Um, never really had any anything of weight or consequence to me. Like there were still nice moments, and they were still interesting stories, and they were still fun stories, but nothing ever hit hard for me. And with Infamous Second Son, I felt like they had a huge opportunity to really hit things hard. Like I, I honestly, I still stand by the idea that that game is an allegory for marginalized people um, and, you know, discrimination, things like that, much like X-Men. Like, it's very much in that same vein, but they uh-huh. did not... They they did not directly grasp that in the story. They would just, like, kind of lightly nod to the idea, but then that was it. 
they just didn't touch it. It was, all right, there's yeah. an evil person doing evil things, kill the evil person, boom, that's the end. Are you good? Are you bad? Boom. That's it. They never really like drove that home. So I, when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima, I was not expecting them to... I, I was expecting more of the same, where I was like, this is going to be a fun game. This is going to be an interesting world with fun mechanics. This is going to be well made, but I was not expecting it to be as narratively competent, I guess. Uh, and that's why I felt like I was sucker punched, because uh, <laughs> it was... It, it was just... It was unexpected to me. I honestly thought that they were going to narratively drop the ball but i was consistently impressed with every act and every chapter up until the conclusion and i was just i was blown away uh so that's kind of that's kind of why i was not expecting the finale to be what it was i was expecting it to be kind of how how i felt with infamous second son where i was like oh okay yeah that's it no, I, I get that completely. I think, I mean, for one, I, I like to go back to the Coat and Khan thing. I think what you said about him, like, not being a focal point, by all means, totally true. But for me, because of the small amount we did see him and what I enjoyed so much about that, I wish we had more of him. You mm-hmm. know? I, I what, Like, I there's definitely some complexity there because his entire angle, really, for what he's doing, is in, it's in the records as a collectible in the game and the conversations this random person that works with him is having. And he's essentially, his biggest thing is that he doesn't want to live in his cousin's shadow. He doesn't want to live in Genghis Khan's shadow. Um, He wants to, he wants to surpass him. Like he eventually wants to kill Genghis Khan and take over as head Khan and run the entire Mongol empire. So I'm like, oh fuck. But like that's never touched on. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, and it's the same reason why he relates so much to Jin. Like you do what you're doing is what I want to do. I don't want to kill these people, but you're forcing my hand because I want to do this thing. You don't see that, so I wish we saw more depth to that character. Um, by all means, I, do I understand why there isn't? Oh, completely, totally. Does that change my mind? No, I think it'd still be pretty fucking cool to see more of him, especially with the performances he gave. Um, yeah, I mean, I still, I still really appreciate the laser focus that they had. I feel like a big reason yeah. why it was as impactful as it was is because they were, they were actually dedicated to the theme that this game was trying to get across. Yeah, and that was going to be my next point. There is, I think, a reason why this game does so well, where Sucker Punch has not had a history of telling a extremely uh, poignant and focused story that just sells all the way through is because other other games like Sly Cooper, a big focus for that was the gadgets and the gameplay. It was never necessarily about the story. It was about like, it's fun being this cool, super cool thief that just is super smooth the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And you can do some things with such style. Whereas infamous games very much focused on these bombastic powers and the choices you make really influencing how those powers evolve. Not necessarily about the story itself, but it, at the end of the day, the root of it all was your abilities and your powers. This game, while bigger in scale, shrinks that down. It's not about your powers or your abilities. It's not about your necessarily your combat or how you do things. It's about a man 
who is faced with an extremely, extremely daunting task and having to choose if he needs to forego everything he's taught so he can adapt and evolve to save his people or um, accepting the code he has been trained to do so dutifully and hoping those things go forward. Yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, and I mean, another thing that I think kind of shows that that was more of their focus was in a lot of their other games, because the gameplay kind of took center stage, uh, I feel like at every moment there was action in in their previous games. Like at every yes. moment there was something going on or, you know, there was always movement. But with this game they made it a point to encourage the player to stop mm-hmm. and to Stillness. reflect and to think about what they're doing and why. And, uh, like, literally there are points in the game where you just sit and reflect. Like, that's what they're called, is mm-hmm. reflection, whatever the hot springs you you literally just or the haikus you choose what what you reflect on and then the haikus uh yeah you're you're kind of processing these emotions and i i think that's another thing that made it so powerful to me as well is that it showed sort of more to the conflict than just a binary response it showed like the whole just the fact that they took the time to show the process of processing these feelings and processing these emotions and to sort of express the anxieties of the main character in the quiet moments and to have the character question is this right am i doing this the right way and even just at moments just being like hey i really appreciate this person that was another kind of nice thing you can just reflect on a person and and sometimes he's just like oh well i i love this person and and that's just nice like it it's really nice that they they basically press pause on the action and they're like okay that's not what this needs to be about right now this is fine yeah and uh for somebody who or for a developer that has kind of built their reputation on being more action centered even though this game was even marketed as a more action forward game which i understand uh mostly because that's what sells but really i think that 50 percent of this game is the action and the combat and 50 percent of it is just the the quiet moments and the meditation of it all and the environment sort of helping with the story and the storytelling itself and the story that they are telling. I think it's more split down the middle 50-50 than it is, you know, gameplay over story and atmosphere or the other way around. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was just really cool to to experience and honestly, it put Sucker Punch on another level for me. <laughs> like uh, they weren't in my top five developers personally, but I think now they might be. 
like now I have a lot more faith in in what they're doing. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I mean, something to kind of go off of what you were saying with the atmosphere of the game and the stillness, while this was an action-oriented scene, probably one of the most powerful moments in the game for me, and I don't even know if this was on purpose or just a glitch in the game, honestly. Uh, it is one of the first scenes you fight uh, with Ryuzo, not against him, and you're fighting Mongols or bandits or one or the other, and the music stops, and it's just the combat. That was... I don't know why that felt so different, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you know what? Honestly, I could get away and feel just fine if I turned off the music in this game. Especially during combat. Because it just sells the weight of everything you're doing. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, Sucker Punch by, all, by no means has ever been one of my top, or my favorite developers, really. Um, just because like while I love the infamous games, and I had a, a, you know some affection towards Sly Cooper the games never did anything over the top. They never hit this top tier mark. Like, yes, this is where, this is a pinnacle of what this type of game should be. They never did that for me. Um, Until now, with storytelling, I haven't played a game that got me this emotionally moved on a decision or just engagement in story, and I don't know how long. Yeah, I think I think PlayStation has I, I, I think PlayStation's always had a, a very uh impactful kind of um deck of cards, I guess, that they can play when it comes to their, their first party developers. And I never I never thought that I would consider Sucker Punch to be like top tier in the industry uh, among them I suppose but I think now I understand like now I get it yeah I feel like Sucker Punch has always been I think PlayStation's always held them in high regard because of gameplay and I don't want to say innovation but finding a unique gimmick of some sort and making it a focus. So like the biggest being the morality system in Infamous. I feel like that was the, for a while, was the standard people had. Because after Infamous 1, I can't remember how many games came out with like, oh, you know, choose how you play, do this, that, and the other, you're going to be good or evil, blah, 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 blah. I feel like we just saw a slew of games try to do that immediately after Infamous. While Infamous by no means was a perfect game, it, it did that feature well to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper, while I don't think Sly Cooper's ever heralded as one of the greatest of anything it did, you know, it was still a top-tier game when it came to platforming in general. Um, and I think that's always been Sucker Punch's thing. They've always been kind of a palate cleanser in a way for gamers. Like, oh, hey, let's give them this game. Like, this is... There's nothing too in-depth with this. There's no secret messages. There's no subliminal thing we want to get across. This is just a fun and enjoyable game. For people to play and i think now after i i have a feeling they've got infamous on pause they definitely don't have any more sly cooper themselves coming down the road um they were like let's do something we haven't done before 
and take what we've learned from other Sony first-party studios and do the best we can. Because this was their first game since Infamous First Light, which came out, I think, a year after Infamous Second Son. Yeah, so it's basically was, a launch game. Yeah, it was almost six years in development. Well, it was time well spent, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they just used everything at their disposal that they had uh, and looked at what people were wanting. I mean, this is the time after God of War... The time after Last of Us, Uncharted, people want engaging stories. Like, yeah, gameplay is a huge, huge factor, but what keeps people coming back is that storytelling. That's what makes me so happy with the video game industry as a whole. Like, I love that. I love that all kinds of games exist, and I love that there's such a diverse range. But I've always been interested in compelling stories and compelling characters and being emotionally moved by the games that I play. And the fact that this is where, like we we talked about this on a previous episode, this is what the data suggests that gamers want. This is what top tier developers are focusing on. And this is seemingly where a lot of the industry is moving forward, at least in the console space. Well, I guess also specifically PlayStation. Uh, they're kind of like the the ones um, sort of leading the charge when it comes to emotional storytelling in video games. But I, I really think it just... There's something about this medium that just enhances stories, I think, and makes them so much more impactful. And I love that developers are not just privy to that but are really focusing on that as the main point of what they're trying to do and i mean i mean yes gameplay is king but gameplay coupled with narrative like i i think narrative is a gameplay mechanic when done right and when there's synergy between those two oh my god it's absolute perfection and uh yeah it's just so fucking cool and i'm 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 really glad that this is where sucker punch is and i think you can see that this is this is totally worth their time because ghost of tsushima is their biggest game ever uh ridiculous sales it's a financial success uh we it's all but confirmed that Ghost of Tsushima 2 is going to be a thing because uh, they've uh, put listing job listings specifically asking for people who are well-versed on Japanese history. <laughs> so, you know, I wonder what that's about. Uh, so we know that a sequel is going to happen eventually, and we know that this game was a commercial success and a critical success. So, you know, this is... This is Sucker Punch's big thing. And I think I think we're going to see more of this kind of thing from them. But now I think it's just going to be an even higher caliber because now they I mean they'll be able to fund it a bit more uh just because of how much of a success Ghost of Tsushima is. So 
I, I'm just I'm excited to see more of this with even higher production values. Honestly, yeah, I mean between production values and they'll it'll most certainly be on PlayStation Five, if not exclusive to it. Um, and by that I mean like not on PS4 mm-hmm. with a sequel. It'll be neat to see what they do with how pretty this game was on PS4. I can only imagine what the capabilities of PS5 will have with it. So yeah, I'm really excited. I want to see the ray tracing. Yeah. With, with Ghost of Tsushima's lighting and colors and shadows, I want to see that with ray tracing. <laughs> on, the steel of, oh, on the steel of the sword, that'll be... Everything. I, oh my god. I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a good fun. So I think it's fair to say that we both really enjoyed the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had to, if I had to give it a number, I'd say a four out of five. Yeah. I think I'd give it a four point five, a nine out of ten. Uh, right. I I think it's actually I, I was really impressed with it, and it's a it's a easy platinum. <laughs> Did you platinum it? No, I have three more trophies left, so I'll probably clear those up. Either depending on how awake I am after this, either tonight or sometime tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah, the trophies I have are like last bit of collectibles, and then pray at the fucking unmarked altars, which is stupid, but I'll do it. Yeah, I used a a guide for the unmarked altars. Oh, that was, same here. Yeah. That was the only thing I needed a guide for. Everything else, it was just self-explanatory which was nice i had a guide for the sly cooper costume because of the um climbing at the top of that tower Mm. to get it because i would have never thought to do that because it doesn't look climbable yeah i think i i i don't think it was the sly cooper costume piece but there's another tower that also has a collectible on it and uh i I was using my my guiding wind because all of all of my first upgrades had to do with navigation um but i was using the guiding wind to try to find collectibles in this area and it kept pointing me at this building and i was like i can't go in this building there is nothing around this building why does it keep pointing me at this direction i i don't understand and then i saw the little corner hook things and i'm like oh yeah oh, okay. i think that is a like cooper piece because that's where you get the uh either i think it was the headband you get at the top of that um well there's like two or three of those towers though with collectibles on it no yeah for sure but the one where it's like you can't you don't you can't walk into the building and you would only notice that it has ropes in the corner of the building is the only one i can think of because unless you notice that you can use your grappling hook on it you would never think that you could climb that building and you go to like the very tippy top and it's in the third section of the island. Because I, I had literally everything else for Sly Cooper's outfit but the headband. And that's because I never thought, like, oh, I can climb that? How? And you have to, like, jump underneath a corner post for the icon to show that you can actually use your grappling hook. So one thing, one thing that I think is a, a missed opportunity, though. Mm-hmm. They should have made it so that when you're wearing the Sly Cooper outfit, 
and you're walking across a tightrope, it should make the little tiptoeing sound. <laughs> God damn it. Like, why didn't they do that? <laughs> because none of what he's wearing is stealthy. Yeah, but just just as a little nod. Only when wearing the Sly Cooper costume. I feel like that would have been a nice little... It would have been total fan service, and I would have loved it. Jesus. And it would have been adorable. <laughs> Not the word I would think to use, but sure. <laughs> One thing I do like is, uh, yet again, we have a PlayStation first-party game uh, with an attractive male protagonist who can run around in their underwear. Uh, I, I really like this trend. Oh, yeah. I was just like, what? But the the, the hot spring outfit. Mm-hmm. More of that. Now, if they could go back to Infamous Second Son and add it to that game for Delson, that'd be great. Jesus. Just, just letting you know. Sucker Punch, if you're listening. Mm -mm. Do you want to play Legends? I do, actually. Cause that's... You want to do that tonight? Uh, you know, I mean, I want to, but... You have to. I'm just I saying, have to like, work I'll at 9 up. in the morning. Oh, yeah, God. I'm on so, vacation, so... But tomorrow after work... Okay. All right, let's do it. And then we can talk about it on the next episode of Dual Senses. Sure. Well, I, I want to get the armor sets before they go away. I mean, granted, I'll probably never play the game again after this. I'll probably trade it in. I mean, I've heard great things about it. I just haven't yeah. played it because usually multiplayer or anything just isn't my thing. But I I don't know. Maybe Maybe we'll play it and I'll end up falling in love and then obsessing over it yeah one thing i do like though is that there is an end goal like it's not just a perpetual thing they've already released all of the content that's going to be available for legends mode mm -hmm. so you know it it is a complete thing and it's not one of those things like fortnite you have to fucking play every week otherwise you miss out it's not like that at all it's just play this thing and then do all the things obviously there's the costumes that go away but that's it's not like a huge game thing, yeah. if that makes sense. Very cosmetic. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to try that. Yeah. All right, cool. But yeah, I'm glad that you enjoy Ghost of Tsushima. I was, yeah, me too. I was really excited. Now i gotta, now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna play next. Last of Us Part 2. Nope. Why not? Because I have a slew of other games I need to play. Will I buy Last of Us Part Two before the end of this sale? Probably, because it's 30 bucks, and I don't want to spend more than 30 bucks on it. But, like, I still have Horizon Zero Dawn. I've got Demon Souls. I've got Sackboy. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, I got plenty of games. I have fucking Days Gone. I, I got plenty of shit I need to play and, like, knock out. Think of it in terms justify. of content, though. Last of Us Part Two is still relevant, and we can have a spoiler I'm cast not, for that. I'm not going to play games like their work, though. That... It's gonna burn me out. It's not work. It just it just adds to more fun later. But it'll feel like work because I'm playing. I will then be playing the sole game of like, oh, I'm playing to play this game for content. And at that point, it's like it's work. Well, you already said though. 
you don't seem like you're too into Demon Souls. You've already said that you are still waiting for Horizon to pick up, but you've been saying that since you basically started. Right. So that's I say just, I got off, I, I got off the track. Like now I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on the track. The idea is for me to find the thing and stick with it. All right. Like now that I've got Ghost of Tsushima down, I'm like, all right, cool. Like that's off the list. Well, if like, you end I, up not I, I liking staring me in the face. If you end up not having fun for any of those, jump over to some Last of Us. It's I mean, really good. The, I, that's the idea. Like I said, I'll probably buy it. But will I play it? No, because I want to knock out these other things. That, and I still need a platinum fucking Final Fantasy VII. Because I'm so close to that. I need to knock that out. I still need to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. To fucking talk about a spoiler cast that we need to do. You need to play that game. I mean, I've played more of the Game of the Year nominees than you have, Alex, so... Okay, that's great. You could have said that for the last five years. Yeah. And so that that means nothing to me. I'm just saying. But you need to play Final Fantasy VII. And you need to play Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. So how about this? I'll start Final Fantasy VII when you start Last of Us Part Two. Because you are, that doesn't make sense, because you already own Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, but I mean, there's other things that I also own. But I don't own Last of Us Part Two. You said you're gonna. I said I'll probably buy it before the end of the sale. Probably, being the keyword there. Anyways, we're fighting like a married couple. You need to play Final Fantasy VII. You own the damn thing. You got it for free, damn it. <laughs> this has been another episode of Dual Senses. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like it just ends with us with us fighting and <laughs> yep uh, that's fine <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening hopefully you enjoyed the spoiler cast hopefully we didn't spoil anything for you uh, unless you wanted it spoiled in which case go for it um, but yeah you, you all our listeners should let us know how you liked Ghost of Tsushima I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, but yeah, you can write comments on uh, mtfproductions.com or you can email us at bemorethanfriends@gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. Give us a review and a rating; it really helps us out. And if you want to support the show, go to mtfproductions.com/donate. But yeah, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks.